0: Hi, I'm Ernie Boxall and I am the storyteller and with no story stagnates I'm helping business owners and interesting people tell their story before somebody else tells it for them so that they can make the maximum impact on more people without anxiety or dread. And welcome to No Story Stagnates with me, Ernie Boxall, and it's my pleasure to introduce Lawrence Wingate from America. Lawrence, will you tell everyone who you are, where you are, and what you're doing at the moment?
1: My name is Lawrence Wingate, US Army Retired. I'm the chairman of Wingate Studios here in Charlotte, North Carolina in the United States. And yeah. what we're doing right now, we are building our online Hollywood studios wow. for entrepreneurs and content creators.
0: Can you just expand on that part of it, Lawrence? Uh, you're, you're, you're building your studio. Is that a physical studio or a virtual one?
1: It's a virtual studio. Right. Uh, it's online. The reason why we're doing it that way is because here in America, you know, and, and also as a retired Army veteran, I've been around the world. Yes. And I love other people and cultures. And uh-huh. for me to bring the world together, yeah. you know, with a lot of entrepreneurs and creators, we want to put a Hollywood studio online and know the two, right. You know, part do partnerships and create things with people around the world. Yeah. understand. And stories.
0: Yeah. There's certainly a need for that. I mean, mean, we both must know that with the introduction of Zoom and video presenters, and, see, my friend's a a recording, he owns a recording studio. But everyone's got a recording studio now at home. It's called the computer. (laughs) So he's had to diversify a little bit but he's gone into video and things like that. And so, we'll talk about that later, Lawrence. First question, do you know how your mother and father met?
1: I sure do. Let's hear Uh, it. Well, my mother is from Georgia. Yeah. My father is from South Carolina. During that time in the 20s and 30s, a lot of Black Americans migrated up north, right, to where they ended up in New Jersey together. Uh-huh. So they just at that time they still didn't know each other, right? And uh, it was this local juke jukebox club. Yes. And uh, my mother, and her girlfriends were there. They was all nurses, and my father, you know, his brothers and his friends were all yeah. hanging out. Yes. And they end up at this jukebox together. Right. And my father being so tall and my mother being so short, <laughs> they both stand out. <laughs> so she saw him. He saw yeah. her. Yeah. And my mother being who she is, had hey, you want to dance? He started <laughs> dancing on the dance floor. And next <laughs> thing you know, here me and all my siblings years later.
0: Yeah, and he. He picked her up and brought her up to head height and danced with her.
1: <laughs> exactly. And
0: when when you talk about the juke club, jukebox clubs, Lawrence, um, were they cafe? Were they coffee houses? Or I mean, in England, we had ice cream parlors that put the jukebox in. What sort of club was it? Just a normal?
1: It was actually what we consider a bar where you right. know, sell alcohol, yeah, alcohol and food, and that's about it. Okay. You know, and, and music.
0: Yeah. Any idea how long they were together before
1: you came along? Well, I'm the youngest. Uh so had it been, well, they was my mother was 50 when she had me. Wow. So they've been together a long time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The youngest of
0: you're
1: the youngest of 10. 10. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Wow. My how he- yeah. How yeah. did she have the stamina?
1: <laughs> well, you know, my mother, you know, during that time, you know, it was always, even till now, it's always has been about family. So yes. it's about just having kids, yeah. bonding, and doing great things together, and creating memories together. Brilliant, brilliant.
0: I was going to say, from the years one to 10, Lawrence, a story, and a lesson that particularly sticks in your mind
1: now? Uh, from one to 10, the lessons, it was more of a philosophy. Um, okay. My father had a, lot of, had a lot of philosophies that he lived by and, and wanted the family lived by. And one of the philosophy was, if you want to have a great life, do great things in other people's lives.
0: Right. And that was yeah. drummed into you. Yes. Yeah. It's a great, story, a great message, great story. Was that your father summed up? Was he a man of, was he a man of many words or a few words?
1: He was a man of many words, but what he said was very impactful. Right. Uh, oh, another one of his philosophy is, speak with intent. Ah. Uh-huh. You know, so everything he said has a meaning, had a meaning behind it. Okay. So, yeah, he he spoke a lot, but it always had a meaning. It was always impactful, you know, not just in our lives, but in everybody's lives in the community. Right.
0: Can you give us just an example of what a 1 to 10-year-old was doing in New Jersey at that time? What would a typical day be?
1: Uh, well, here in America, a typical day during that time, which would happen around the 70s, uh, you know, hanging out with friends. Um, yeah creating memories and just um just way before the internet, so we use our imagination a lot.
0: Right.
1: And I and I as a cre- a content creator during that time, I uh, I sit alone and just draw comic books.
0: Uh-huh. You
1: know, backstories yeah. and everything. Right. And, uh, you know, just seeing what's going on in the neighborhood and just creating stories behind it. You know, so that's, that's really what I did.
0: Yeah. Would you say then that you were a people
1: watcher even there? Yes. Yeah. Uh, my father and I, um, we used to take walks. Uh-huh. And then we would sit in the park and what we would do is, like I said, everything he did, had a, everything he did, he say had a lesson. Yeah. And we used to sit and watch people and he explained to me, okay, you see how close these people are talking? So they're comfortable with each other, so they must know each other. Right. You see how these people are separating apart or three feet apart, is that they just either met or yeah. they're learning each other. And you, you learn the mannerisms, you listen to the words that people choose, you know, to yes. in order to understand who people are.
0: Uh-huh. At that time, Lawrence, what part did school play in your life? So late, eight, nine, 10, seven, eight, nine, 10.
1: Well, you know, as a person who's very creative, it was hard to learn in school. Right. Because school teach you on a linear track. And me as a creative, I look at many different possibilities and things. So I was constantly failing tests, uh, struggling. I was just struggling. Right. And took a while for me to really just figure figure out okay I just had to do enough just to pass yeah. because a lot of yeah because a lot of things that he was teaching was a lot of things I knew personally I would never use yes you know so I pretty much just learned the things I need to know and just try to struggle, get through the things I didn't know or wasn't interesting so yeah yeah that's yeah. how that's how I was coming through school
0: did that impact your relationship with teachers at all
1: uh, for the ones that were force-feeding me information, yes. Yes. Because the thing is, it's like, you, you, you're you giving me this information, but you're not really telling me what to do with it. Right. <laughs> you're saying, this is, this is how, you know, society is, this is what you need to learn. Okay. How can I apply this to my life? Yes. Instead of telling me I need to learn it, or giving me a lecture, but not showing me how to do it with my hands right you know because i was a hands-on guy okay uh so after two minutes of lecture i'm <laughs> looking somewhere else yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah
0: and and finally on this this period you say you're a hands-on guy yes what was did that come from those first 10 years were you in a garage or were you in a shed were you making things that
1: actually I come from working with my father who owned a construction company right and me and like i said he took his he had this knack to look at people's potential yeah and since i was good at you know drawing right so my first job was working in the construction company at age five <laughs> and what i had to do was go to the client and ask for hey what, sir, ma'am, what type of front porch or patio would you like? Yeah. And as they explain it to me, I'm drawing it. Wow. And as I draw it, then I say, is this what you like? They're like, yes. And once I finish it, then I pass that on to my next brother, who had a business yeah. that only created, built front porches and patios.
0: So. so you were the first Google in
1: that area then?
0: And it pretty much. Yeah, pretty much, yeah, yeah, wonderful, <laughs> wonderful.
1: <laughs>
0: so, we'll go now into the teenage years and we'll split it from 11 to 15, 16, and then on to 20. So, in those first, the early teenage years, a story and a lesson.
1: During that time, that's when hip-hop music was yes. pretty much starting to take and i was a dj at 12 and my father was the type of person who was he came home with a fly say hey there's a dj competition and i, and I read it i said well sir it says you have to be 18 and my father like so you're good apply anyway. Right. So yep. I applied. Uh, you know, the judges were like, well no, you have to be 18. And another judge said, well show me what you can do. Uh-huh. So I put a couple of mixes together and I seen the hair bobbing. Yeah. And they said, <laughs> okay, you're in you're in the competition. Great. Stuff. <laughs> so, Great. Stuff. So as i gone through the competition, although I beat the guy who actually won, it's because he was 18. That's it. He won. Yeah. But I won and they created a category for me. Right. You yes. Know, so I was able to, I didn't win the prize, but I was able to do other things as a yeah. consolation prize.
0: Absolutely. And I, I, from that, Lawrence, did that give you this, did that give you an ability to talk in front of a live audience?
1: Well, I always had the ability to do that because on Sundays was family day.
0: Yeah.
1: And my father, like I said, he knows people's abilities and potentials. Yes. So he'd be like, hey, son, get up there and tell some jokes. So I had to get up in front of the family, (laughs) not just my immediate family. That is also the worst. My cousin. yeah, no. He said, tell three jokes, make us all laugh. So me being the type of person I am and being quick thinking,
0: right?
1: I said, well, it's since he made me come up here and do this, I'm gonna imitate him uh, how he talks yes. and how he walks and everything. So when I did that, my mother, my grandmother, my Mm -hmm. siblings, I mean, everybody bust out laughing. Yeah. And my father looked at me like, okay, good job, good job, (laughs) sit down. (laughs) So being put on that spot constantly forced me to build my confidence in Uh me and what I can do. So it was natural because my sisters... They were brutal. Soon i get up, they to start bullying before I ain't said anything. Yeah. So I figured if I could get through my family, you yes. know, I could do, I could talk in front of anybody.
0: And again, mm-hmm. question comes to my mind. You've talked about your mom and your dad a lot. So even up to that age, were there periods where your mum disagreed with something your dad said, or your dad disagreed with something your mom said,
1: or did? Oh. Well, my mother disagreed with everything my father said yeah yeah and my father my, my father never disagreed with my mother right my father my father again another philosophy is yeah he's the man at the house yeah. when his wife is not home <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah mama mom you know she will always disagree with him but what i loved about both, both of them they would sit down and talk about the disagreements of why they feel the way they right. feel and why they disagree with disagree. And yes. it always came to a compromise. Great. Right. Great. And uh,
0: did that run through the whole family, Lawrence? So wh- if I went to your oldest brother, would he say the same? Yes.
1: Right. Right. Yes, because that's the thing is, family is everything. Okay. You, you know, yes, you're going to be upset with your siblings, but it's not at the level where... You can't talk to them, right? And hash things out. Great. Yeah.
0: So later, eighteen to twenty, Lawrence, where are you then? You you you're into DJing and all that stuff.
1: Well, actually, from eighteen to twenty, I was I joined the army when I was seventeen. Wow. Okay. I was seventeen, straight out of high school, and at eighteen, I was pretty much traveling around the world. Yeah. With the army and um. Learning other people, see how they live, learning their cultures, you know, trying to learn a language, um, at least at the minimum the greetings of the day.
0: Yes, yes.
1: And by doing that, I grew as a person because I wasn't just an American. No. Now I have memories that I'm building with other individuals from other countries. Now I'm, I'm just a person who lives on this earth among yes. other people. Yes. yes.
0: What, were, what were the reactions of your mom and dad when you went, went in, did they know you were going
1: in the army? Uh, yes, well, my reaction to my mother, me being a baby, she like, no, you're not joining. <laughs> so, okay, I went to my father and I had the, the, the contract in my hand. I didn't even have to say anything. He snatched the contract out my hand. And he signed the contract because I was 17. Right. I had to have a parent's consent. And he said, hey, good luck, son. <laughs> 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 so, and that's how I got in. And my mom said, okay, fine. Where, where did, you, where,
0: yeah. did you have to go away from home to do that? Or was it close to home?
1: Yes, I had to go. I had I lived in Jersey and I had to go to Fort Sill, Oklahoma.
0: Right.
1: Based training training AIT.
0: Yeah. Did you enjoy the basic? Oh, well, I loved it
1: because yeah. I'm, I was very athletic. So I played, right. you know, football you know, I was a wrestler in high school. So right. coming straight out of high school into that, it was all about athletics for me. So Absolutely.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And
0: you say you traveled the world, Lance. Your first flight, your first journey away from America, where was it to?
1: My first journey from America was to France.
0: Right.
1: Yeah, went to France. I think it was Nice France. And what were you doing there? We was actually on a training exercise. Okay. And the thing is, we were getting to learn, Learned it was France at the time was starting doing a lot of stuff with the US. Yeah. You know, so we was having a little military training and it's done to learn how to train, since I was in the army, we learned yeah. how to train with the the, the Marines, the Air Force. Uh-huh. Now we're learning to train with other forces from other countries. Yes. So that was something new that was trained. This was in the 1985, yep. 86. Yes. And what sort of terrain were you training in? Actually, it was an urban terrain. Okay. You know, because yeah, because normally we're training in a jungle setting, yes. but this was the first time we're trained in an urban setting.
0: Okay. What was that impression? Did you did you see the big difference in? jungle to urban obviously there is yes
1: yeah, so it's a big difference but the thing is now when you in a jungle or where you in the desert you know who the enemy is
0: yes but yes. when you're in
1: an urban terrain yeah now you have more you're more heightened because now the enemy could enemy or or civilians could be from all different yes. angles yes so you don't know who's who <laughs> right yep. yeah Yeah. Yeah, I know who's who. So
0: that's very much the the idea now. So we're going to 20 to 30, Lawrence. And and early 20s, late 20s.
1: Early 20s, I was been in the military for a couple of years now and garnered some rank. And now I'm starting to really, really understand the main purpose of. Not just being in, in the military, but the main purpose of life. Right. You know, and how, and by then I had my, my second child. Ah. And now, because my first child had passed away when okay. she was 18 months. So now I have my second child, which is my oldest now. Yes. And uh, so now I'm having the fear of, okay, it's not about me now. <laughs> I have this little ball of joy.
0: Yeah.
1: So now I have to thank for her and do for her and do everything for her until she get to the age which could do for herself. Yes. So my whole life way of thinking was, yes, I'm having a good time traveling around the world and doing amazing things. But now I'm doing it for a purpose now more than just Uh me. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: So I have to lead by example. I have to, now my life is really important now because I want to be, to live a life to where I can watch my child grow up. Yeah. So it's, it's many different things that going through those, that uh-huh. that age range that really, really changed my life.
0: Can you and tell us some... about... Yeah, sorry.
1: And it's something about having, being a male, something about having a daughter that's really, really... Yeah, oh yeah. Make you see things a lot different. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And can you, can we just go back to how you met your wife or you... Was it your partner?
1: It was my, my girlfriend at the time, and uh, <laughs> that's funny. Uh, I was dating I was dating somebody else at the time, right? And my daughter's mother brother was dating my sister, and um, you know, I that was fact that was right at the time where I was preparing to go into the military. Yes. And my girlfriend at the time didn't want me to go, and she was so against it. So my doorbell rang, and when I opened the door, it was my my future daughter's yeah. mother, and she was just standing there, and because she was so she was so shy. and right. she was there to come get her brother, because her, her mother sent her to come get him to yeah. bring him home. So as she, I said, come on in the house. And I went back arguing with my girlfriend. Yeah. And she said, look, if you if you join the military, I'm going to leave you. And she left. And I said, well, I'm going to join anyway. It's, yeah. it's a done deal. <laughs> so when my future yeah. daughter's mother seen this, and she said, oh, y'all just broke up? I'm like, yeah, we just broke up. I said, I'm joining the military. She said, oh, OK. And then uh, I left off with the basic training. And when I came back, all I hear is, "Oh, you know, Evelyn's. She has been talking about it. She's so excited when you came home. They had I had a big party when I came home, and yeah. she gave me some roses. Not the first <laughs> time I ever received roses, and <laughs> you know, and Man. next thing you know, we we started talking, and
0: she laid we, it on you."
1: Yeah, she laid it on. Me. Uh, yeah, I mean, she made me feel so special. I couldn't, I couldn't say no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I never. I don't know about you, but I never ever received any any type of flowers. No, no, you know, but roses. So, yeah. what
0: was your daughter's name? No,
1: uh, Marilyn. Marilyn. First one. So, yeah, first one to pass away. Ah,
0: and yeah. Now, so mid mid twenties, late twenties. What were you doing?
1: then? Mid-20s, late 20s, I was, that's when I left New Jersey and I got stationed in D.C. at the right. Pentagon. Uh-huh. That's so when right. I had the Pentagon. And your role then? Uh, yeah, my role at the time, I was, uh, um, I was in a vet planner at that time. And we from there, that, at the time, it was clinton right was president yeah at that time and then from clinton then it went on to president bush and we yes. used to plan events for the pentagon the white house a uh-huh. lot of the general officers around and stuff as well
0: okay and that's Gen- general planner what w- what had you done before that that made them think that you would make a great general planner
1: well, I used to throw a lot of parties, you know, <laughs> on the weekend, you know, and come from my childhood, yeah. throwing parties as a DJ. Yeah. So I threw a lot of parties and uh, one of the, a lot of the officers used to come to my parties and
0: they said, <laughs> wow. hey, you want
1: to, you want to be an event planner for the military? I'm like, well, sure. Sure. And uh, that's how I got into it. Wow. That's- yeah. And it led to a lot of other
0: stuff. And um, so did that mean you had to deal with diplomats and, and... yes.
1: Yeah. So yes. and dealt, dealt with a lot of yes, dealt with a lot yeah. of diplomats, dealt with a lot of um kings. Yes. Uh, queens. Wow. You know, there were a lot of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have the photos, Lawrence? Uh during that time you didn't take too many photos. No. Because <laughs> a lot of the, you know clearances and
0: yeah
1: yeah and a lot of things people don't want you to see
0: and can you imagine now you with a a, a phone and a selfie me and the king
1: exactly me and the queen exactly exactly you know know, what the one thing about that situation is because again you have to learn other people cultures absolutely and sometimes taking pictures with other people yeah can set off an oh. incident. Geez, you don't want to set off. <laughs> no. So and it's best not
0: to do it anyway. That's right. Absolutely. And you know, it's it's as as simple as things like a certain hand gesture in one country. Yes. Is derogatory in another country. So yes, yes I can see where that came in. Yeah. Yes. Can you can you just go through uh, what again? What a typical day would have been for you at that time
1: uh during that time it's a lot of of course a lot of planning
0: yeah
1: where you know at the time I was working for a three-star general and uh he was meeting with a lot of secretary of defense he would meet with the president he was meeting with a lot of people yes so typically what we had to do was okay we always had access to his calendar so if uh-huh. he's going to meet If he's going to meet with, let's say, some reporters to ask questions. Yeah. All right. So therefore, as an event planner, even though we just didn't plan events, but we also Mm -hmm. got the answers to the questions that he has to answer. Right. So we have to contact the office who had all the answers to the questions. Yeah. And we had to coordinate all this stuff, coordinate with our military news folks coordinate with security, coordinate with yeah. whoever's involved. It's a lot of coordination involved with that to include, you know, booking the room where yes. the meeting's going to take and play. If it's a top secret meeting, you know, we, I, we have to make sure that people had clearances to get into the room. Yes. So we had to work with a lot of the FBI agents, secret service, depending on where these individuals come from. Uh-huh. You know, if, if they come from out of country, then we have to, you know, Look at country clearances as yeah. well, it's just to get them, just to make sure that everybody says who they are. Yes. <laughs> you know, yeah. there. Yes.
0: Now, I have been listening to a guy called Dan Bongino, who was uh, FBI. He, he was on the security guard for the presidency. In fact, I think Ooh. on some occasions he was lead. And he talks about very much briefing each other before the event. And going
1: yes. through every every, every detail A-B-D. that could go wrong. You're the same. Yeah. Yes. Yes, because we all, you know, we all part of the same team. Yeah. You know, you know, like me as an event plan for the military, even the FBI agents have an equivalent equivalent. Yes. Just like Secret Service has equivalent, just like Homeland Security has equivalent. So we all worked together. We uh-huh. all we all had the same mission. We just was in different agencies. Yes. As well. Yeah. So everybody has to brief everybody. You know, I had to know. Okay, well, if the FBI is going to do this, yeah. then my part is to do this. Now, there's a lot of things I I wasn't privy to. Of course. Yeah. But the general coordination, everybody had to know. Everybody. It's a lot of briefings. I mean. Right. Yes. All we, every day, all with the telling event.
0: Well, I remember a story that he was telling about how, on one detail, they set some posts out to keep the president away from the crowd. But apparently there was a rope that was left. Instead of being pushed behind the fence, it was left on this side of the fence. Mm-hmm. And it was only spotted at the last minute. And somebody was saying, well, yeah, the president or the president could have tripped over that. How would that have looked? Right. So it was simple as one right. piece of rope being left on the wrong right. side of the fence. Yeah. Detail. And
1: also, yeah, also, you have to look at, okay, again, like I was saying before, you have to think about many different possibilities. Yeah. Okay, yeah, it's a possibility the president could trip, but also the, another possibility is if somebody comes through there. Yeah. You know, so you have to pretty much put things on lockdown Uh you know until then yes you have everything no matter how big or how small everything has to be investigated
0: did you take that attitude home with you Lawrence were you were you detailed at home
1: I have always been a detailed person it was just a lot more hyping hyping than when when I when I got home yes
0: yeah yeah so your home was tidy it was clean your room was clean Yes. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Everything, everything's about details, you right. know, um, to the point where, you know, you look at everything and everybody in every situation different, it's always calculated. Okay. You know, place where I go, because even at that time, you know, even though I was low on a totem pole in sense of <laughs> the things yeah. I've done, but I was still a member of a well-known yeah. national team. Yes. So therefore, I mean, going just, just simply going home, I didn't go home the same route at right. time. Because you never know who's following.
0: Right, interesting, interesting. Did
1: that impact the family at all? Yes, because there's a lot of things I couldn't tell my family. Uh-huh. And I was one of the military person when I travel around or, or station many different places. I didn't take my family with me. No. And I took my family with me because I knew what type of job I was going to do. And I didn't want to have that constantly on my mind. Right. You know, is my family okay? Yes. So, you know, a lot of people didn't the way the way things set up, a lot of people didn't know if you had family or not. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, you know, just for security reasons. Great, great.
0: So We're into the 30s now, Lawrence, you're 30 to 40. What sort of changes had you made?
1: During that time, I was, uh, all I could think about that time was, all right, I'm preparing for retirement. Yeah. And then, you know, 9-11 hit. And now, okay, am I going to make it? If it's gonna be it for me, yeah, you know fortunately, I did make it through the through nine eleven and after nine eleven was to the point where you know, looking at life and looking at okay, what's next for me now? Well, I saw so much destruction and carnage, yes, okay, how that's gonna affect me, not just person but mentally, yes, you know. Because a lot of things I couldn't talk to my family about that I could only talk to other veterans about that would understand. Absolutely. You know, so I had to shut a part of me down to keep from expressing my anger, my frustration to my family. Yeah. So part of me, I had to really cut off. And I didn't distance myself but I wasn't quite there mentally right. with the family, if that makes sense.
0: Yes, definitely. Yeah. yeah. I have interviewed uh, a guy called Kendall Compton, who was a, he's a fireman now, a first responder. But he was talking about being in school when they, they, they had televisions and they started to watch the plane hit and then the second plane hit and he said from being curious he said what he remembers now is how everybody went silent and just no one said a word and yeah. he said that was, part, that was part of the that was part of the journey to him becoming a fireman yeah but uh, I know we watched, obviously, we watched over here. And it was pretty much that, you know, it was silence. It was, we couldn't believe
1: yeah. that this was happening. It, 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 9-11 had, um, you know, when you live in a country that you're born and raised in, you have a certain perception of yes. that country, regardless of the good things or the bad things. Because you know, there's a lot of things in place to make you feel safe, feel safe. Yes. 9/11 exposed a lot of things. On good things, and it exposed no. a lot of bad things. Yeah. With it, which which any tragedy would do. Of course. And one of the things I always said in my life, and the way we were raised to think, is that it's always something good come out of tragedy. Yes. And yeah, we love our family members, we love our friends, we love our community, but since 9-11, it's more intense now to really tell people that you love them, right? care about them and yes. be there for them, because you never know when your life Absolutely. is going to be. Yeah,
0: that's a very poignant lesson there, Large. So, again, how old were you when that happened?
1: Uh was in my late, I think early 30s when that happened. Right. If I remember correctly. Okay. And, uh, and um, you know, had a very, very impactful. Yeah. It, it changed me for like this. It changed okay. me. You know, I, I wouldn't say, I have always been an outworn person, always been very talkative. Yes. But like I said, it, but it changed me in the point to where now. Um, I live life, but I'm live life even more now uh-huh. than I did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's done withdrawing. It's done so withdrawing. Yeah, you know, I I think okay, I start doing more than what I normally did. Okay, so into your forties, Lawrence Okay, so I I retired at age forty. Wow, in two thousand seven, I retired at age forty. Yeah. And by then I had owned four companies and that I was building the entire time I was in the military. Well, just there, Lawrence, four companies. Yeah, four companies. I had a consulting company, I had an event planning company, I had a, a record label and a private investigation wow. company.
0: Got to go and into uh, that a little bit. And You all yeah. started
1: that from the army. Awesome. All started at, so what I did, I took my experience, all the experience I had, and I created companies behind those companies, those, those experience. And cause I knew from a young age, I never really want to work for anybody but myself, since coming from an entrepreneur family. Yes. And so I figured, okay, well, I'm in the military I get paid every two weeks, job security. So let me make my mistakes now. I'm building my companies, uh-huh. and I, you know, since they were, since I had a record label,
0: yeah,
1: and all, and event planning company, I knew military people like to like do two things. They like to party and dance. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but you know, I had a I had a, a, a artist where. Everything I need, because in the military there's always somebody who's has some type of talent, yes, whether right, it's in music or not, and yeah. there's always people who love who will love to support you and help you out. Yeah. So, you know, we were so used to planning things. I came up with a plan of how I want to build these businesses, and I told all my friends, and they all chipped in and jumped in and helped me out. And uh, fortunate enough, fortunately, I I didn't fail. Because one, I had too many people helping me out. Right. And uh, it's been like that today. And, you know, we still, all the people that helped me out, we all still friends today. And we all still help each other out with their business. And we all grow, we all successful. And that's the beauty of teamwork.
0: That was going to be that's my the... next question, Lawrence. Do yeah. you still meet the people from the Army?
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I do. Brilliant. Uh, that, and we, we all, have the same mission is to provide not just for our families but provide for our, our friends and our yeah. community great you great know, no matter where we at in the u.s it's
0: not something you hear all the time right no that's brilliant right. yeah. brilliant so and you've still got have you got these businesses now Lawrence?
1: or i currently own 14 now <laughs> well, you know, when I build business, I don't really build it for me anymore. Um, yeah. What I do is I build it for, you know, friends uh-huh. who have either lost their jobs or tired of working at their jobs. Yes. And want to do for the, want to be able to control their own destiny. So, I typically would have a, a business sitting on the shelf.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And yeah. for. And I say, okay, well, I used to call them opportunity business. Yep. So whenever the opportunity arises is when I launch it. So if I have a friend who has a lot of experience but don't know exactly what they want to do, I said, okay, well, I have a consulting company sitting on the shelf. Yes. I, I launch it, you run it, and then I, I teach them how to run it uh-huh. based on their experience. Yeah. So if you call yourself a consultant, you're not locking yourself in to right. one thing. Because most military people do at the minimum eight eight different things. Yes. <laughs> yes, and I was going to say, it sounds as if from
0: that you took your ability to judge character. Yes. To the opportunity.
1: Yes. Yeah. And which I learned from my father. Yes. <laughs> look at pe look at people's potential. Yeah. Uh, you know, having a having a a, a college degree or uh, a certification is one thing, but once i see that you have the the work ethics and the will to want to succeed rather you know what you're doing or not right i could teach you everything else but i can't teach you to get up in the morning Right. brilliant can't teach you that no no
0: are you passing that
1: lesson on to your children yes majority of my children have their own business and uh now we now we're working on the grandchildren now. <laughs>
0: yeah, You'll keep that legacy
1: going, Lawrence. Yes. Yeah. the thing is that you know it's nothing more, how could I put it? Nothing more worthwhile and 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 it brings you joy than yeah. able to control your destiny. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. provide for yourself and your family. So,
0: ah, uh-huh. no, you're talking to a man who's still looking for that. <laughs> 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 so, uh, do we go into your fifties, Lawrence? Are you in? Are you into your fifties? Yeah, I'm 54. Okay, let let's go into what's hap- what's happened over the last four or five years.
1: Well, the last four or five years, I have been a lot of things I'm doing now. I plan. Five seven seven to seven years ago. Right. So I was preparing the last five years where to build my legacy. See, and as an entrepreneur, there's three different phases that an entrepreneur goes through. There's the learning phase, there's the giving phase, and there's the legacy phase. Right. And right now I'm in my legacy phase now.
0: Yes.
1: And so I'm building an online Hollywood studios to where a lot of creators and con- a lot of content creators and a lot of entrepreneurs who are stuck in their careers are able to join our platform yes and build their careers either in front of the camera or behind the camera and create the things that they love to do yeah because it's, you know you're never truly free with yourself unless you're able to make a decision yeah. and then put that decision in action.
0: Action, that's the thing, isn't it? Action. Yeah. Now I can understand you putting people in front of the camera.
1: Yeah.
0: How do you how do you put people behind the camera? What skills do they learn for being behind the camera?
1: Well there are a lot of people who have um, great imagination. Uh-huh. So those people either become writers producers or in, in, in some cases connectors where yeah. they may not know anything about entertainment but they know a lot of people who do right so so what we do is we hire them just to connect us to other people uh-huh. you know so everybody has at least one talent of course and so what we do is again we go back and look at their potential yeah you know or potential and what they, what they, what they want to do, yeah. you know, and what they're passionate about. And then we build upon that. So there are some things that I may not think of until I meet the individual and then we may create it. Yeah. You know, there are a lot of people who have ideas but aren't good at putting their ideas in action. So what That's we it. do is we put, we partner them up with somebody who would like to put things in action. So therefore, it goes back to that team mentality.
0: Great.
1: You know, I know yeah. a lot of things, but there's a lot of things I don't know. Yeah. So I surround myself with people who know those things. It doesn't make me less of a person. No, no. the thing is, mm. it makes me more collaborative. Yes. You know, and, you know, I talk a lot, but I also listen a lot. So, you know, that's how I learn.
0: Two things from that. First of all, Lawrence, Are you taking this into the community? Do you go into schools and go into colleges? Are they they receptive to it?
1: Yes, we had a, me and another friend of mine's had created a program to where it's an entrepreneur program for the junior high school level. And where one of the things we do since a lot of kids like cell phones. So what we did, we built a program around that where Five students in a class will, okay, look up the patents on cell phones. Right. Another uh, set of students will look at, okay, well, they're good at drawing, so they're going to draw all collaborative, come up with an idea of how the cell phone is going to look. Right. Another set is, okay, once everything is get done, how are we going to Create a commercial behind this. How do uh-huh. we write that? Another set is going to be okay. We got all this information. How are we going to go from the drawing to market? Yes. So, so now we're all those students doing many different things, but they're all working on that one project and the project they all interested in because they all have cell phones. That's gotcha. You know. Yeah. So not only are they just using the cell phone just to text and play games and talk with people, now they literally understand what they have in their hands right? and how it was created and where it came from and how many different countries are involved in making this one product. Yes. So we teach them all those things. As well. It reminds
0: me I'm, I'm listening regularly to a, a Navy SEAL mm-hmm. who's been talking about his operations and he it, it talks to other veterans going back to Vietnam and about their mm-hmm. operations and so forth. And the one thing that comes out is that whenever they had an operation to go on, it wasn't his role as leader to say, this is what we're going to do. Mm -hmm. It was his role to ask the team how they thought, because he said, once they've got skin in the plan, they're likely to push it through more easily or better than if he just told them what to do. And that sounds like very much what you're doing
1: right because you can't be a team when you're dictating everything right so a team is a, is it's is, is all about collaboration uh-huh. and the thing is as a leader you have to know that you're not always right right you know so in order to make a better decision you have to get a, a consensus from your team yes and rather in the military or in the business, you know, it's the same thing. Uh-huh. So, again, like I said earlier, I know a lot of things, but a lot of things I don't know. Sure. You know, it, you know, like if I have a team right now and we come to the UK and one of my team members from the UK, I want to ask a lot of questions of that team member. Absolutely. Because that's yeah. something he he or she knows. Yes. So it's like that no matter where you go. That's why having a diverse team from a diverse background makes you not just a better leader, but a better team. Great, Cause now you have much more, inf- more information at your disposal.
0: Well, I, c- I could talk for ages, Lawrence, obviously with your experience, but what I, I am a traveler, I have been all my life. And there are certain memories that stick in the mind from other countries. Can, have you got a couple of stories from abroad, from other countries, that, you know, set aside? I was actually in the war, the Yom Kippur War, without being a Jew or without being any... I went to... I, I actually followed my girlfriend out there. Okay. Is there anything like that that's happened to you abroad that, you know, set in your mind? I Good think, or bad?
1: Well, I think the one thing... That set in my mind is here in the US, okay, I'm a I'm a black man. Yeah. But when I'm in other countries, I'm I'm American. Right. So rather the US does something good or bad, I as American in another country would have to carry the, the weight of that. Yes. And that's a total different dynamic of just being individual to now carrying a nation on your shoulders.
0: Uh
1: So, yeah, so that's something, you you know, it's it's a tricky situation, but it's something that most people have a hard time learning or knowing about if you never left the country that you're born in. Of
0: course, yeah. And with your love in music... What country? What country would you go f- go to now again for their music? UK. Oh, really? Yeah, UK and South Africa. I was going to say, yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, I I think for the UK it's because when they had the what they call the British Invasion here. Yes. With the Beatles yeah. and a lot of the other you know, yeah. other artists that came through here you know totally blew my mind right but what i learned about music from the uk was really no different from the music here because it was telling the story yeah of struggles story of what was going on a uh, story of, of of liberation yeah you know many different things and it kind of that kind of what Helped me to really latch on to the to your culture uh-huh. because I've always been interested in culture more than the language, but yes. also but the history. Uh-huh. So from the music led to the television shows to um, reaching out to British people and and learning from them, and uh-huh. it's the same way with South Africa, where with South Africa, their music is all about their culture and their yeah. life. And, yeah. And they see how many different types of music and language. Yes. You know, so, yeah. Yeah. It, and that's a beautiful thing. And, and like I said, it, 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 it helps me grow as an individual. Uh-huh learn it of those countries but the UK and South Africa. Yeah.
0: Wonderful. Well you must come here again.
1: <laughs> like, oh I will.
0: Get it. Yeah. It's been a real pleasure interviewing oh same here, Lawrence. Don't dash off when we finish. But okay. again, before we go, how can people get in touch with you or learn more about you online?
1: Well they can get in touch with me on Instagram at uh, wingate underscore studios. Or on my business page on Facebook called the network network there, a network show. Network show. You can there. The network show. Or if they could uh, con- just look me up, Lawrence Wingate. You'll see a picture of me in my military uniform and wow. just connect with me.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful, Lawrence. It's been a real pleasure to listen to you. And Thank you, bit. This will be up on YouTube soon. Thank you for listening to No Story Stagnates with me, Ernie Boxall. No Story Stagnates is the unique way to boost your visibility by allowing the audience to know your story, your brand and your authority. By telling your story well, you can make the maximum impact with more people without anxiety or dread. If you've ever thought about telling your story, and telling it well, go to No Story Stagnates at ernie at ernie said dot info. That's E-R-N-I-E at SAID dot info. Don't forget to like, comment and subscribe if you've enjoyed what you've heard on the podcast.